Welcome to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. A reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel, airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. Please rate and review our show. I'm your host, Alex Wong. William Liu is still day-to-day with a non-COVID illness. Get well soon, Will. Please come back and take your show. But for this Friday, I am joined by one of my favorites, James Herbert of CBS Sports. James, how are you, man? I am doing great. You're one of my favorites too, Alex. Oh, okay. Yeah. You only ever tell me that on air, though. Like, you never say this privately, so I don't know if you actually mean it. I absolutely mean it. And I'm not, like, mean to you privately, am I? No, no, no. I think I'm actually one of the meanest people when it comes to just like, you know, talking <laughs> to people. By the way, two theories on why Will is sick. So, you know, he interviewed Thad Young earlier this week. I'm not trying to blame Thad Young because, you know, I'm a huge Thaddeus Young fan. But he did come back from the interview and said, you know, Thad was coughing a little bit. <laughs> so that's one theory. Mm. And the second theory is at the arena when the Raptors played the Kings on Wednesday... We both had a uh, very raw, uh, you know, burger um, at the place, but I'm feeling fine. So um, maybe he came down with with sickness from that too. So those are the two working theories. Uh, Which one do you want to go with? Well, I don't really want to blame that, but I think (laughs) if I'm picking between those two, I sort of have to. Like if you're fine (laughs) after having the exact same burger, I don't think that was what it it is. Yeah, but my stomach been through a lot more than Will, man, is is all I'm going to (laughs) say. So I don't know. You just wanted to brag about your like digestive system. Yeah, and this, your, this is like your, um, this is like looking at traditional versus advanced stats. You know, you got to dig a little deeper um, when, when you're doing the comparisons here. But what we're gonna do today is grade the Toronto Raptors because you know everybody is so thrilled with how they are playing at the moment. You know, I thought it'd be a good time, and especially since I just had my company annual review as well. It's been a full day of grades. So I thought we would go through the players and, you know, talk about the overall team as well. And of course, Nick nurse and the front office. And then later on, we can talk a little bit about raps nets. You can explain this Joe Missoula thing to me. And we will of course Hmm. play who he played for, but let's start with grading the 2022, 23 Raptors. So just to tee it up the Raptors through 28 games, very similar to last season, if you're just looking at the the peripherals, you know, they were also 13 and 15 last season at this point. And they have the 15th ranked offense in the league, which they finished with last season. They're 11th on defense at the moment. Last season, they finished ninth. Uh, this year, they're 28th in three-point percentage. Uh, last year, they were 20th. So just looking at those big picture numbers, very similar. But I do feel like the vibe and mood of the team and how you know, people are looking at this Raptors team is very different. And I guess a simple answer, James, is that, you know, expectations change from year to year. Yeah. I mean, they were supposed to build on last season. They were supposed to have internal development. I think there was a lot of reason for optimism coming into the season. Even after the season started, um, people were pretty optimistic about the Raptors. I was personally like up until a couple of weeks ago, I guess, like basically, um, before Pascal Siakam came back, like I was willing to write off any struggles they had to like, okay, they're, they're not completely healthy. And I was pretty optimistic about like what I saw early in the season, particularly from Pascal Siakam, who is still, 
um, just sort of the shining star of this Raptor season so far. But as a team, I, I think it has been underwhelming on the whole. It has been weird. It has been a lot weirder than just what the record and, and the numbers sort of indicate, right? Like, they're the 29th team in terms of half court offense. Um, they have been. Oh, bad wow. We moved on. out. We moved out of 30th. They're, yeah. They're, um, I think there's, I can't remember who is, who is 30th, but yeah, the Raptors are not 30th. Um, That's a they're win. 26th and three point frequency. Mm. Uh, they're shooting 26.5% on pull up threes, which is the second worst in the league, which I can't even believe the Spurs number was like 25, 20.5%, which is just disgusting. Um, but I mean, there have been some offensive positives too. I mean, they're getting to the line more than last year. They're getting to the rim a bit more than last year. They never turn the ball over. They're like slightly worse in terms of offensive rebounding compared to last year, but still an elite offensive rebounding team. Um, they're absolutely incredible in transition, like the best transition offense in the league. Uh, it's just, I think if it were only us talking about their style and how interesting it was, and they were average on offense and that was the whole story, be like, okay, like this is how they built the team, but you've just seen some regression in terms of how committed they seem to that style, how well they're executing that style lately. The defense has slipped. Um, and I think the ceiling is much higher there. And it's like watching them, like the vibes, as you said, have been weird. Just the sort of the, 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 the effort in some games in particular has been bad. And it's been directly called out by both Nick Nurse and several players on the roster. I think you still have to kind of mention the caveats when you're talking about all of this stuff. Like health has been a big issue, um, both in terms of their frontline guys and just like role players that were supposed to tie the room together. Um, they haven't had the team exactly that, that they thought they'd have. Precious Achua, we were talking about is like, is he going to be a most improved player candidate coming into the year? And we've barely seen him. Um, so I think there's a lot of room for growth, but they're not exactly trending in the right direction after what we've seen in the past few games. Yeah. I think the one thing you pointed out too, just about like the room for growth when people are looking at this team and the overall roster construction, and it's been such a talking point, especially recently as, as, as they're going through this slump right now. And I think that really is a big question. And, and you know, the, the way we're going to we're going to do the grades today, we're not going to do the letter grades. I think we've agreed that, you know, for for every topic, you know, the team, the players, you know, the front office, we, we're going to either say that they've met expectations or they've underperformed or, or overperformed. And I assume you're in agreement with me here when we're talking about just the overall team at this point in the season that that they're clearly underperforming. Yeah. They're, I mean, I, I thought they'd have a better record than this. And I'm just, I'm more just surprised at how awkward everything kind of feels for them. Like they, they feel kind of stuck in a weird place right now. And that that's more what I'm kind of judging this on rather than strictly like their point differential in the record. Yeah. And if you're looking at, you know, we called out all these stats and we talked about the vibe of the team and all of that stuff. When you look at all that stuff, like what is the one thing that, that, you know, you would say concerns you the most if you were looking at this team moving forward? I think the, the defensive kind of like the slippage that we've seen lately and also the way, like just anecdotally, like the way that they've been talking about it, like, um, you know, I was at the Brooklyn game where afterward Nick Nurse is just talking about how they just, flat weren't executing the the defensive scheme right like they wanted to blitz Kevin Durant and they weren't in the right places they weren't um the, the guy who was blitzing 
wasn't in the right spot. And then the guy who was supposed to be rotating afterward wasn't there fast enough. Um, and that that is like just scheme execution that a team like this was like pretty good at last year. And when they did make a mistake, they were really good at covering that up with just that sort of effort. And then you, you've heard effort issues like after the Pelicans game, after the, the Brooklyn game. Um, and then after this, this Kings loss the other night, hearing Van Vliet and nurse talk about, you know, just letting guys get by them at the point of attack, getting easy rim touches. Like you're not supposed to be able to do that against the Raptors. Like you're just, you're not. And that, that kind of stuff is what is kind of getting to me more than like, yeah, the three point shots are not falling, which is like obviously a huge problem. And if you're talking about like the construction of the roster, then you start with the shooting. But if you're talking about what, like the other stuff and what I'm concerned about, it's, it's that it's, it's them not looking like the Raptors all the time. It's, it's been inconsistent in that respect over the past little while. Definitely. So let's dive into the players. Um, so I'll go through each one and, you know, I, I prepare some stats too. I'm sure you have some stuff, um, man, it's a lot of work when Will's not here. So let's start with Fred Van Vliet. <laughs> Fred Van Vliet last season, 37.9 minutes per game. This season, the, the focus coming in was limiting Fred's minutes, playing him off ball. And, and I did make the joke that he was going to go from around 38 minutes to 37 minutes and that's exactly what's happened he's averaging 36.7 minutes this season um you know we've we know about the the shooting slump that he's going through right now when you look at the overall numbers he's a career 37.7 percent three-point shooter last year he was around that mark at 37.2 this year that's dipped to 32.2 percent so overall i think if you ask fred too like he he would put himself in the in the underperforming category um you know what are your thoughts on fred's season so far so i don't like to overreact to shooting slumps and bad shooting numbers but i think like if we're trying to evaluate how he's played so far like that has to matter and it's it's the specific shots that he's missing too like fred over the past few years has you know you he's played a ton of minutes he's also seen his usage rise year over year and he's had to take a lot of difficult shots um with not great spacing often late in the shot clock and sometimes his three-point percentage hasn't reflected his true kind of ability as a shooter um but this year that's not really what's happening like he's at 31.4.4 percent on catch and shoot threes his wide open three-point percentage is down and you can just kind of see it when when you're watching sometimes his shots are missing left right instead of long short um it's been kind of strange. I am not like if I'm projecting forward, like I expect Fred Van Vliet to be one of the best floor spacers in the NBA. And he's a guy that can shoot difficult threes. He can shoot deep threes. Um, that, that's been a big part of like the Raptors trying to get some semblance of spacing over the last few years where they haven't always had um, even four shooters uh, on the court, let alone playing five out is having Fred stand like 28 feet out and defense is having to pay attention to him. I think he is going to be that guy. Um, but the shooting just hasn't been there in the same way this year. I think, you know, the, the at rim shooting, we saw a little bit of a rise in that last year. Um, that's down again to what it basically was before that. Uh, he is getting to the line more, which is encouraging. Um, but I mean, it's not a surprise when you look at like the on off numbers that have been amazing the past couple of years, they're not the same this year because he is not giving them the same kind of offensive boost. I think that he was, 
in years prior when he was one of the best shooters in the NBA. Yeah, Will Will's in the YouTube chat. Apparently, he's going to be grading every player. So he's he's spiritually here with us. He's giving Fred a C uh, on the season. Yeah, I will say too. I think Fred's just such a barometer for for the fan base in terms of you know frustration towards the team. And it's, it's like not that long ago that I remember when Pascal was out earlier this season that Fred had, had like huge performances to, to carry this team. And there was a lot of talk even back then when he was struggling early in the year of whether he should be coming off the bench. Um, and I do feel like the, the conversations with Fred can get really extreme. And, you know, he is going through uh, a shooting slump right now. But I mean, he was coming off a really good game. You know, I know he was two of eight from three against Sacramento, but I mean, he was near 40 points there oh, as well. He was so incredible. He was incredible. And and you're going to need Fred on this team, you know, if the Raptors are, are going to go anywhere. And I think the separate conversation, and, and you know, we can have that separately down the line, is about, you know, his next contract and all of that stuff. But, you know, at this moment, you know, in this season, like I'm with you, I do expect Fred to have a bounce back. Uh, next up, Pascal Siakam. So he's averaging a career high 24.6 points this season. The seven assists per game is also a career high. The Raptors are plus 6.7 per 100 possessions when Pascal's on the court. For comparison, that is close to the league-leading Celtics who have a net rating of, of plus 7, and the Raptors are minus 4.5 points per 100 when he's off the court. I'm not sure there's really much for me to add uh, for Pascal. I think his work has spoken for itself this season. Clearly came in talking about wanting to be a, a top five player in the league, building on his all NBA third team last season, et cetera, et cetera. He did have the stretch when he was out with injury, but clearly he's overperformed expectations this season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's played an all NBA level. I'll go even a step further with the on off stuff. Like you were talking about their net rating offensively. They've been exactly as efficient as the Hornets, mm -hmm. the worst offense in the league with him on the, with him on the bench. And with him on the court, they've scored 116.6 per 100 possessions, which is like an elite offense. You don't think of the Raptors as having an elite offense, but that's what they've been in Pascal Siakam's minutes. He has been unbelievable. And it hasn't happened exactly the way that some might have thought. Like, he has absolutely improved, but it's not like he came in and all of a sudden he's this, like, vastly improved three-point shooter. In fact, like, he is shooting fewer of those like the, the pull up threes are not happening aside from early in the season when PJ Tucker decided to go under a bunch of screens and Pascal Siakam said, okay, I'll, I'll take those. That's not been what he's doing. It's been a bunch of like hard stuff, ISO stuff, post-ups. And when he's drawn the extra defender, he has made the right pass. Like his passing has been great this year. I think he has like made his teammates better when he's been on the court and he's just been a really like you know, superstar level offensive player in terms of his pace when he has the ball in his hands, in terms of getting to his spots, in terms of like knowing exactly how to get buckets in, in ways that are comfortable for him. And it's been really difficult for defenses to account for him this year. And when they do try to load up on him, which they often do because, you know, the Raptors facing is not great. And they've done that the past few years against Siakam. I think he is at the stage of his career where he pretty much welcomes that and he makes the right play far more often than not. So I've just been wildly impressed with how he's played. The numbers all show, I mean, their career highs all over the place. Um, it's just kind of disturbing how reliant the Raptors are on him at this point. Yeah. Uh, and Will Lou says, uh, Pascal is an easy a like Emma stone. So, um, that's, that's Will's grading 
there. By the, by the way, you know, appreciate James, you know, hit him up, uh, you know, at 10 in the morning today to, to let him know that, you know, I, I really needed someone to, to fill in for, for Will's absence. And as I can tell through our discussion so far, you know, I clicked on the two most basic stats pages and you went a little deeper. So I appreciate you, bro. Um, OG Ananobi, <laughs> uh, defensive player of the year candidate, you know, <sighs> I mean, to, to me, OG's overperformed as well. What do you think? Oh, for sure. I mean, the stats, I mean, we know them. We've probably talked about them a million times, like top of the league in steals, number two in deflections, mm-hmm. number three in stocks per game, if you care about that. Um, <laughs> I love that they and then stocks, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, <laughs> it's like crypto. <laughs> um, oh, no. Uh, it's leading the league in FTX. In yeah. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> but... I, I think it's interesting to talk about how he's improved and how he's exceeded expectations is he's basically been a better version of the player that he already was. He has not completely, completely transformed his game. He is not out here trying to be a superstar. Sometimes he scores in the twenties and has big offensive nights, but early in the year, I think you and I were both a little bit concerned about his approach on offense and him trying to do a lot of stuff like against a set defense off the dribble, taking mid range jumpers. I mean, if you look at the numbers, he's, shot like 32 mid-range shots this year it's nothing his turnovers are a little bit up but it's it's not insane he's basically bullies people he's taking 43 percent of his shots at the rim another 20 percent from floater range like you can give this guy the ball in the post against defenders who are not as big and strong as him and he will be able to kind of just put them underneath the rim and score um he can do straight line drives. He can attack closeouts. The three point shooting has not even been good. Just like basically everybody else on the team. Like he's been an okay catch and shoot guy, but it's not like above 40%. He's like 35% on catch and shoot threes. Um, But he's been a really effective offensive player anyway. And it's been cool to see him kind of figure out like where he fits in offensively and how he can get those numbers and doing it in a kind of like non-traditional way and certainly more than a a three and D guy. Um, but not like an ISO player. You just give the ball to and say, go, go cook somebody. Yeah. Uh, Will is giving OG an a minus says that he needs him to shoot the three better again. So OG is shooting 33% from three. This season, a career, he's career almost 37%. But yeah, no, I think it's 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 been super cool to see the growth of OG, uh, especially on the defensive end and getting that attention. And it is, it is frustrating to, to see him, you know, out with injury again, because I know that's been a thing that has hampered him throughout his career. And you just, he was making such a great push and hopefully he can come back and continue that. Uh, next up, everyone's favorite topic, Scotty Barnes. Um, you know, I'll let you lead with Scotty Barnes. I think I, we're probably both going to have him below expectations, partially because expectations were quite high coming into the year, but mm-hmm. it's been uneven. It's been like a, a weird season for him. Like he's strangely way better at home than on the road. His overall efficiency is down, usage slightly up, but not becoming like the main playmaker. You can't point to any one thing and say like, Scotty Barnes came back in his second season and he's this like way better creator against a set defense, or he's this way better off the ball player, spot up shooter. Um, that hasn't really happened. Even defensively, he's not clearly a more sound defender every night than he was last year. Um, I think there are games where he looks 
great. I thought, honestly, the, the Kings game was one of the better games that he's played in his career. <laughs> um, and he's had moments like that. But I think when we were talking about vibes, like a lot of people immediately, their their mind probably went to Scotty because it just, you know, we talked about it a lot last year. I wrote a whole story where like, yeah, it was about basketball, but a lot of it was about Scotty's personality and the vibes that he brings to a team in the locker room. He just seemed to be having so much fun every moment that he was on the court last year and just soaking it in and like pushing the pace and like just finding ways to contribute wherever. And like, he still is that kind of player at times, but I mean, you see him sometimes frustrated when he doesn't get the ball. Um, you see him looking a little bit disengaged some nights and then other nights it, it's a different story and more similar to his best games last year. But the inconsistency is the issue and that's somewhat normal for a 21 year old. Um, and I think part of it is probably that his role has changed a couple of times already, depending on who's available. But like one of the virtues of a versatile player like Scotty Barnes is that in the best of times, he can scale up or down his role as the team needs it and thrive in whatever role that he has. And I think this that has been like specifically more challenging for him as a second year player. Yeah, no, I think. I think just, you know, there's been just so much conversation and, and even, you know, the team has talked about it. Nick has talked about it, about finding that joy in in playing, you know, finding that joy in going from year one to, to year two. So um, next up, Gary Trent Jr. So, you know, last year he was, again, I think we'll just keep pointing out the three-point shooting here, 38.3% mm-hmm. from three this year, 335 you know, the, the scoring's dipped, like, slightly. Last year, he started 69 out of the 70 games that he played in. Famously came off the bench on opening night because Goran Dragic was in the starting lineup. And this year, you know, there's been a lot of talk and a lot of talk in the offseason about, oh, you know, are they going to, you know, get more sides into the starting lineup? You know, maybe send Gary to the bench. And, you know, Nick just ended up doing that a little bit seamlessly. And then, you know, Gary's back in the starting lineup now because of OG's injury, but he's come off the bench for seven games this season. You know, Nick did, um, you know, tell the media that he wanted better defensive effort from him earlier this year. Overall, uh, where would you put Gary Trent Jr. season? I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I think it's slightly below expectations. Yeah, I'm with I you. think I could deal with just, the shooting being worse if the defense were exactly what we got last year. But I think the defense has been a little more inconsistent than it was last year in terms of the point of attack stuff and just sort of the activity level, which is what Nick Nurse infamously, I guess, at this point um, mentioned in, in a press conference earlier this year. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's not a huge dip or anything, but last year he was like, a halfway decent pull-up three-point shooter this year. The team is getting basically nothing on pull-up threes, and he is shooting like 23.6% on those and still taking a couple of them a game. It's just it hasn't been the same kind of um, sort of feel from Gary as an offensive player in terms of last year. He had stretches where he was going off every night, but even when he wasn't on one of those hot streaks, it still felt like every night he could erupt like that and that has not happened as often this year and then the defense has been spotty like some certain nights he's he's been a, a really great defender but i think 
he's the kind of guy that like the effort like really really has to be there and he has to be feeling good and healthy and like he has to be moving well for that to happen and um maybe he's played through some stuff and that that's affected some of it too um i'm not super down on him or anything but i I would say like below expectations for for trent this year yeah so will is giving scotty a c said some great moments but needed a lot more from him when pascal was out He's also giving Gary a C as well, says can't be so one-dimensional. And as we pointed out, having a down year from three. <laughs> I love how even when he's bedridden with sickness, he still will still spiritually part of the show. Take a proper day off, man, please. Um, all right. Uh, Will's killing it. I love it. Thad Young. Thad Young. You know, I'll talk about Thad Young, Chris Boucher. You know, for both of them, I have them meeting expectations. Um, you know, for me... me Thad, you know, a couple of DMPs to start the season. I, I think, you know, when Christian Coloco made it into the rotation and at the start of the year when they had everybody like Precious and, you know, when Otto came back too, you know, Thad got squeezed out of the rotation for a couple of games, but, he, you know, he has filled the role that I think everybody expected when he re-signed with the team. You know, he's been in the starting lineup. He's played the five. He's helped fill that connector role and he's been on the court. He's a player that you can trust in closing lineups in the fourth quarter. And, you know, uh, for Chris... You know, I think he's close to a steal and a block per game. You know, once again, we're talking stocks, and he's got 11.2 points, (laughs) 6.2 rebounds off the bench. And I think just overall, like, Chris has really just found his his niche. Like, you know, not a perfect player from game to game. And sometimes, you know, you can see the mistakes uh, maybe on the defensive end and things like that. But overall, like, you know, I don't have any complaints about what Thad and Chris have brought to the team. And, you know, if the one thing I'm going to point out again, the three-point shooting, um, you know, Chris, you know, Chris was a 38% three point shooter in Tampa last year that dipped to 29% and, and now he's hovering around 28 this season. Again, it's just overall, man, if, if we can just go get a bit of an uptick from all these guys. So, so any thoughts on uh, Thad and Chris? Yeah, I think they both met expectations. And to me, that's a good thing. They've been two of the, they've been the two mo- most reliable reserves. Um, since they're most of the time reserves for, for this team. I like I just I always feel comfortable when Young is on the court. Like I always kind of want that to be involved to get more touches. I think the three-point shooting is an issue because you want to see him playing with the Raptors best players because I think he complements them super well in terms of setting them up for easy buckets. I think he plays well with high IQ players and stuff like that. But if he is off the ball with those guys, then it can create an issue because some of their other best players are not floor spacers. Like playing him with Scotty is a little bit tricky. Um, and, you know, Thad has like barely shot threes this year. This has not really been his, his role. But, I mean, he's a smart defender. He gets tons of deflections. He has those little flip shots uh, in the post or in sort of floater range. And I, I just I like watching him play. I like kind of the, the calm that he brings to the team when he's on the court. And Boucher, I think, you know, he's been mostly available which is good for a backup big man on on this team he he's a guy that gets those crazy blocks but then also he'll step up and take a charge which like not all shot blockers do that i wish he were a bit more of a three-point shooter and like mm-hmm. you said a couple of years ago it seemed like that was where his game was going and it just i mean he still shoots some but i i don't think teams really respect the three uh, they certainly don't respect as much as they did a couple of years ago and it doesn't seem like he's made it like a huge priority at this point like he'll get his buckets from like cutting and like really hitting the offensive glass hard and he'll shoot some threes but i think like the idea of him in the past was that he would be a stretch big and uh it it's a little bit disappointing that that has not been what he's returned to this year yeah and i think you know 
if you if you look at a player like Chris compared to like Gary, like Chris can impact the game in so many different ways, right? Like like you know when, sure. when when Gary's scoring is not there, sometimes it might be tough, like you said, to feel his impact. Whereas Chris is the energy guy, he's crashing the glass and all of that stuff. Uh, you know, Will is giving Chris an A plus because he says he's got to secure the next live show with him, and he's giving Love Thad it. a B plus. Says great interview, smart passer. Uh, need something more on defense, but maybe that's unrealistic in year 16. Yeah, that young really me, man. Um, next up, I've grouped the three of these together, just the uh, backup point guard trio of Malachi, Delano, and Jeff. I don't know why I just like calling Jeff Down Jr. Jeff. <laughs> um, I like it. Yeah, so, no, well, I don't know. I mean, the trio's getting the underperformed uh, tag because no one has filled the backup point guard role and I've always been a huge proponent of Malachi Flynn just because you know the famous Alex Wong eye test I just think Malachi is a hooper <laughs> and you know people will look at it and be like yeah you know in, in the small sample he's shooting 48% from three this season you know if the Raptors are struggling on offense why don't we bring him on and and Will's always like no man like he gets on the court and like you know the, the Raptors just bleed points on the other end of the court and uh, guess what it is true opponents are scoring 117.8 points per 100 possessions when he's on the court, which is um, close to the Spurs league worst, 118.4 points per 100. And he's got a minus 6.8 net rating um, when he's on the court. And I think that lines up with the eye test. Like none of these players have either earned the trust of Nick or, or developed to the point where they can be trusted to be a rotation player from from night to night. Yeah, so I have them below expectations too, mm. and like not not a good grade. But I also think the Raptors should share some of some of the blame in terms of you know developing the guys beyond the core, keeping the end of the bench guys or guys who are not getting in the game that often outside of garbage time, like engaged and involved and ready to play when they need them. Um, you've seen some flashes of that, right? I mean, there was that Detroit game where like you know Delano Banton went crazy and Jeff Doughton had a game-winning block, but beyond that, I mean. I don't think I've seen Doughton play. Uh, there, it seems like there's some defensive potential there, but I can't really give a proper evaluation of him. Banton, I still don't exactly know what role he would play in the half court because it seemed like they were developing, developing him as a point guard. But then in the few opportunities that he's had this year, like sometimes he's been much more off the ball than he was as a rookie. And I, I don't know if he has the shooting touch, aside from, again, that Detroit game um, to, to properly do that so i'm just not really sure where all of this is going and you know these are i guess doubtons on a two-way but like these are roster spots and the raptors aren't getting much out of those spots right now yeah and next up is the the rookie christian coloco who started 15 games as a rookie so far this season and I mean, I almost, I almost wanted to put overperform. Like I, I just think there were like no expectations coming to this season of him contributing to the team. And we've seen that he's prone to foul trouble. He can't really finish around the basket. And all the things that we look at in terms of a, 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 you know, a player that still needs to develop and get more reps, you know, in the G League and all of that. But you know, for, for him to have had this role so far this season, like I would put, I mean, I guess I would put, I would say that he's met expectations. But in a way, you could you could construe it and say that he's exceeded it in a way. You totally could. I mean, second on pick and playing the role that he had. I mean, I, I think in general that would be um, exceeded from someone in his position. I had him as met, but that was meant as a compliment because mm -hmm. I, I really, I liked the upside. I liked what I saw from him 
uh, dating back to summer league. I liked what I saw from him even like early in the season and in the preseason. Honestly, like I liked him a lot more when he felt like a bonus coming in, like giving the Raptors a bit of a, a different look. Like who's this enormous guy on a team where everybody else is six seven to six nine? Um, I like it. I like the Coloco experience a little less as a guy that they need to play well. Um, because I'm not sure you can totally rely on him just yet. Like the fouling is a big issue. He's an amazing help defender when he is not fouling guys, but he, he fouls guys a lot. Um, I There's some crazy plays that not a lot of people in the world can make where he's out there blitzing somebody um, like 30, 35 feet from the basket and then recovering to go make a play at the rim or save a ball from going out of bounds. And like we have seen that and like the, the, just the potential there of a guy that big that can move like that is really enticing. Uh, the production has not been amazing, but I mean, just the fact that he's playing a role on, on a team with aspirations of um, winning a lot of games this year, like that, that does say something. Um, but I also think it's not like part of the reason why the Raptors, record is the way it is, is that they've had to lean on him as, as much as they've had to because of injuries and such. Yeah, definitely. Um, for, for Ken Birch and, and Juancho Hernan Gomez, to be honest, I just, uh, you know, for, for me, like they, they've met expectations to, uh, for, for me because um, I don't even know, I'm not trying to be mean about it, but I don't really have high expectations for them in terms of being like a huge contributor on this team. So like Kem has filled in, you know, he's played spot minutes at the center spot and he's been in and out of the rotation. And, you know, I think Wancho's, you know, started to earn Nick's trust and he's gotten minutes off the bench. But um, that's as far as the evaluation goes for me, for, for Kem and Wancho. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm being mean or being nice, but I had them as below expectations. Okay. And I guess my I, mean, I think, I, my, I, my thing just comes from, I guess I didn't really have much expectations. So right. they've like, met them. Because yeah. to me, it's like, maybe I'm being nice because I'm saying I thought there would be more. Sure. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. I think just the fact that Coloco has played like almost four times as many minutes as Birch kind of says it all. Uh, when he plays, I mean, he's still making those like little push shots and stuff like that. Um, he can still, you know, do Kem Birch stuff, but he's not a huge threat as kind of a vertical spacer anymore. And like, I don't, don't get the feeling that Nurse trusts him to play rotation minutes anymore or um, at least trusts him as much as he trusts some other guys. So you just haven't seen that much of him this year as far as Wancho goes I don't know if anybody called him auto insurance but they should have because it just sounds nice <laughs> um but he was to me supposed to be like the version of auto that that they would get when auto was not available and so auto has basically not been available but Wancho hasn't like carved out like a strong role where they need him every night and you know he we just talk about the poor three-point shooting with every player, right? And that's supposed to be his thing, but he's only at 32% on catch-and-shoot threes. I don't think that matters that much in a small sample because he is actually a shooter, so he has some gravity out there. But, you know, when he has a bad shooting night, like sometimes I'm seeing him, like, turn down looks, which he should never do. Um, but maybe because he is not sure how much, how many minutes he's going to play night after night, he is not quite playing with the same level of confidence that, that he usually has out there. And then defensively, I mean, they're just like, I, I think he is not the best defender, but if he's the weak link and the other four guys are awesome, then you should be able to play lineups with Boncho Werner and Gomez perfectly fine. He's not like he can't, ex it's not like he can't execute a defensive scheme or anything, but I think it looks different when the defense is not great. And he's now trying to put out fires, which is what we have seen sometimes in some of the lineups that he's been in. Is that too deep of 
Wancho analysis here. I might I might have, I might have gone too far. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely is. You know, I tuned. No, I'm just kidding. I was gonna say I tuned out a minute ago, but um, no, no, no. I think I think that was great analysis from you, James. Um, Precious Achua and Otto Porter. I just have them as incomplete. I mean, I guess you could go. You could evaluate them on on their play. I mean, I, I know people. Yeah, I mean, it's fair to say that Precious underperformed in the 12 games that he appeared in. Um, you know, in the game that he unfortunately got injured and picked up his right ankle injury, and he's not expected back until the new year. You know, before the game, Nick said he sat down with Precious to watch film, and you know, it was a point of emphasis mm-hmm. of of you know areas that he needed to improve on. Um, but you know, 12 games so far. You know, for me, you know, I guess I'm an easy grader. You know, people who had me as a TA at University of Toronto knows. You know, I was handing out A pluses like it was nothing, like it was candy. So you know, Precious is an incomplete for me. Otto as well. He's only appeared in eight games. Um, still out with a toe injury. I think expected latest update was expected to be out another month. We got to just dip Otto's toe in that cold tub that Thad Young is in all the time. And I feel like that would get fixed. Once again, Chinese doctor remedies. Um, any thoughts on Precious and Otto? Yeah, I think their absence has been felt like really um, on both ends for this team. I mean, particularly offensively for Otto Porter. Um, Precious, I think, you know, the, he was, I guess, a little bit below when he was playing. I do think one bright spot was he was like awesome from the free throw line, like like 28 of 33, which is a huge deal for him. Like he has not been a good free throw shooter over the course of his career. But yeah, if you thought he was going to come out and like be making all of these threes and making all of these plays, like it was not, it was not just like he picked up where he left off the previous season. I think there was a lot of pressure on him to show that he had taken another step and the decision-making wasn't always great. And the shooting was obviously not good because basically nobody's shooting has been good on this roster this year. But I think for a two, it was a, a, a bit more troubling because the vast majority of his looks, even though it was a small sample, were like completely wide open. Um, and he was just missing them. So when he does come back, I think he'll give the team a huge boost defensively. They miss him. They need him. And then ideally, he'll also give them a boost offensively, but that's kind of TBD. With Porter, uh, you, we know what, what he is. The Warriors miss him immensely, and I think the Raptors miss him too. He was supposed to be the guy that tied a lot of lineups together. Um, the bench was horrific shooting threes last year, and you thought, well, now they have Otto Porter. This is like different. They can have lineups that make a little bit more sense offensively uh, that don't have to be quite so reliant on winning the possession game, and they just haven't been able to get to those lineups. Uh, so... I think we've just seen so little that incomplete makes perfect sense. I didn't know that I was allowed to do incomplete, so I put them both as below, but it was basically because like we just we haven't seen them. Yeah, no, for sure. And um, you know, I think I mean I was gonna talk about Nick Nurse and the front office too, but I might save that too for for when Will comes back next week. Cause I feel like we're gonna have a larger conversation on that. But like I think overall, um, you know, before we take the break here. Like, I think the big question when it comes to Nick Nurse is like, is he getting the most out of the roster? You know, is he getting the best out of this group or is he being hampered because the roster hasn't been constructed in a way that, you know, puts him in a place to succeed? And that leads into the question of, of like, you know, have Bobby and Masai in the front office done enough to, to you know, especially this offseason to, to address the team's needs? Um, any quick thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's tricky. I think all this stuff is tied together with with the sort of issues that the team is having and the roster building and nurse trying to get the most out of the roster and the injuries and all of this. I think on a, on a, if you zoom all the way out though, it's like the Raptors are trying to win at a high level and they're trying to develop players at the same time. Like always, this is, this is what they do and there's nothing wrong with doing that, but it can make things a little more 
complicated if you're not winning at the high level, because then you can get in a situation like I think you have now where it's like, okay, the wins aren't quite there. The development isn't quite there because some of the guys that we talked about earlier that have some upside either aren't reaching it immediately or aren't even playing. Um, so there's a lot more attention, I think, on the fact that like we talked about, like there are, you know, we talked about three of them, but there's like a handful of roster spots. If you include the the two ways going to players who were, have not really produced much, if anything. And now the Raptors are in this sort of awkward place. If they were just a win now team, then it's simple. Like you can't have that. You need to make some sort of win now move, perhaps multiple win now moves to try to get to a place where a, you have just a lot more shooting than, than you do now. And B, you're more kind of injury resistant than they've proven to be so far. And if, if it were a rebuilding team, then it's also simple. Like it doesn't matter that some of the young guys aren't producing. You just play them anyway because it's all about the future. But they're they're in between. And it's it's a it's a little bit trickier when you're in between. When you're winning and you're in between, then it's all cool. Um, but I think there's been a lot of angst and there's been a lot of just kind of awkwardness around the results that we've seen from from the Raptors lately and I, I think some of that is directly related to just the, the construction of the roster and frankly the difficulty of what they are trying to do it's not all that different than Otto Porter's old team and what they've been dealing with in, in Golden State all season yeah no I think those are really good points all right James stay on the line we'll come back talk about the Raps Nets game and see if we have time to play who we play for I'm your host Alex Wong you're listening to the Raptor show on the Sportsnet Radio Network have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Alex Wong. Continue to be joined by James Herbert of CBS Sports. Just want to give a couple quick listeners shout-outs. Happy birthday to Annie Kwan. And want to shout-out Sean and Ann from the live event. Sean hit me up after, let me know that um, his wife Ann, I think, crossed 11,000 minutes listening to the Raptor Show on Spotify. So appreciate that. And now it's time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. James, the line for tonight's game at Bet Rivers, the Nets are minus one and a half favorites. OG Ananobi remains out on the Nets side. The injury report, uh, Patty Mills is out with a non-COVID illness, similar to Willu, and Seth Curry is questionable with right hamstring tightness. The Nets have won four in a row. They've beaten the Raptors three times already this season. The Nets are also 11-3 and in their last 14 games and are now the number four seed in the East. James, are, are the Nets cool now for the rest of the season or, or is it going to be something else coming up? It is dangerous to assume anything about the Nets, so I just want to avoid that answer mm. completely. Okay. Um, the Nets have 
definitely been much more of a normal team for the last little while, though. They're pretty much healthy, as you said. Like, Curry is questionable tonight. Mills is out. Mills hasn't been always in the regular rotation regardless. Um, but, you know, you've TJ Warren is playing well after not playing for basically two, two years. Ben Simmons is back in the lineup again and looks relatively normal, like the normal Ben Simmons. And their defense has been a lot better. Uh, their offense at times has looked awesome. It's just been a matter of kind of sustaining that and doing it against elite competition. And we have not seen the Nets play a lot of elite competition. Some of these wins over the last little while have not been super impressive, like a tight win against Charlotte at home um, when Charlotte was is not that good in the first place and is also like dealing with several injuries. It's like not impressive at all to me. Um, and there have been there have been a few wins like that. So the eleven and three is like a little bit misleading. Uh, but trying to stop this offense, trying to stop Kevin Durant when OG Ananobi is not playing, that that is a bit of a tough one for Toronto. Yeah, and the Nets won't be facing elite competition tonight. So um, you know, I think you know if you're looking for silver linings, um, you know, I'm not here to provide them. So I think if you're looking to to look at this game, the Nets minus one and a half looks pretty appealing. Go with the team with Kevin Durant. That was Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. James, we've got a couple minutes left here, so let's play who he played for. You got five players for me, right? I got five players. All right, let's do it. So for people that don't know who he played for was the segment popularized, still popularized by Inside the NBA. Charles Barkley is asked about players around the league and who they play for. And I guess I famously don't watch as much basketball as anyone else. So uh, James hit me with this. By the way, the betting line for this one is also minus. It's, it's, it's one, one and a half, the over-under. <laughs> Actually, the over-under is 0. <laughs> 0.5. All right, let's do it. No, it's not zero. Come on. All right, we're going to start with a couple of former Raptors here. Let's, mm. let's start with Stanley Johnson. Stanley Johnson, he signed this week. Who did he sign yep. with? Stanley Johnson, good thing I got Woj and Shams on alerts. Um, he's, oh man, uh, it's either the Spurs or the Jazz. <laughs> no, he was on the Jazz. Uh, San Antonio Spurs. You're correct. Oh man, I might go five for five. Let's go with Raptors legend, Alex Len. Alex Len, yo, I might go five for five. Just happened to, to pull out the box score at the arena the other day and saw Alex Len on oh, it. Sacramento man. Kings. I knew it was risky because they were just there, but I was like, I saw play? him listed at the so bottom of, of players who were out. So <laughs> this is the strongest start you've ever had. Yeah, I'm crushing it right now, man. Two. All right. All right. This is way too easy. I'm okay. Let's go with Isaiah Joe. Of Joe for you. Ah, <laughs> uh, Isaiah Joe, uh, the player that most sounds like a coffee shop. Um, he was on the Sixers, I believe. My default answer this year is the Charlotte Hornets, so I'm, I'm going to go with the Charlotte Hornets. The Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, that's close enough. That's the other default team when you don't know. All right. <laughs> I, man, I thought I was going to run the table, do you know, throw a perfect game here, but, you know. This could be your best one. I don't, I don't think this I... This is already my best round, bro. Yeah, I'm impressed. Um, but I'm also disappointed in myself. I feel like maybe I should have should have gone harder. All right, let's go with... Uh, this is an actual, like, Rotation level player in the NBA, Bryn Forbes. Bryn Forbes, I might get this one too. Isn't he back on the Spurs? No. Oh my God, where is he? <laughs> I love. You're always like one team late. When yeah, you I wrong. know. I love that. <laughs> where is he? <laughs> He's on the Timberwolves. He's on the Timberwolves. He's on the Timberwolves. Man, yeah. 
All right, I guess I got to watch more Rudy Gobert this season. Damn. All um, right. I got to break yeah, 500 here. I'm two and two right now. Feeling this good. This is the most prominent player, I think, in terms of like the popular consciousness that I've ever put on this. But I just, I, I thought about it for a while. I was like, he might not know. Mm. Boban Marjanovic. <laughs> oh, I might get this. Houston Rockets. You should get it. Houston? Yeah, you got it. You all got right, it. all right, all right. Yeah. You got any more for me? Somehow we got two minutes left. <laughs> oh my goodness. You didn't prepare uh, though. It's all good, man. Just off the top of my head. Yeah, no, it's all know. good. It's all good. I went three and two. I'm feeling. You could just try good. to name other members of the Houston Rockets. That might work. <sighs> Let's not do that. Um, <laughs> no, no. I think I. You know what? I'll, I'll take my three and two and, and just run with it. You know, you made the mistake of not knowing that that I put, you know, the the prominent national reporters on, on text alert. So so I see every signing, and and you make the mistake that sometimes I scan the box score. Uh, you know, post game at the Raptors game. Those are your mistakes today. I try to. I try to be sneaky and take guys who have like just changed teams or maybe just played Toronto. So if you get them wrong, I can shove it in your face. But the risk I take every time is that you'll get them right for exactly those reasons. Yeah, no, I think I think you do get a kick out of naming like, you know, embarrassing me by by choosing like former Raptor players that I'm supposed to to, to keep in touch with. And I didn't and do stuff any like Canadians that. this time. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think there's too many Canadians. You know, the problem is the Canadians are actually too good now. So like I actually probably know the Canadians, even uh the even it, the, even Caleb Houston on on uh, Orlando, and wow. whose Good teammates job. whose teammates with my favorite player Admiral Schofield. So he's your favorite player now. Uh, I thought you were gonna say Bull Bull is your favorite player. Uh, Bull Bull, you know the only Bull Bull I acknowledge, as I've kept saying, is Red Panda. Yeah, so that's the only Bull Bull <laughs> I acknowledge. We made it. We made it. Uh, James, I really appreciate you joining me. Today, hope you have a have a great weekend and happy holidays to you, your family, and everybody. Thank you so much for having me. It's been yeah. a pleasure. Appreciate you, man. And that does it for us for today. I'm your host, Alex Wong. You've been listening to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review our show. A reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel. And airing live on Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks again to James Herbert of CBS Sports. My favorite board producer, Derek Brandeo. Jennifer Rolnick helping us with a YouTube stream. Welcome back. I'll talk to you Monday. Feels good, man. Feels good, man. Feels good, man. Um, 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 um,